Hey everybody, this is Amy Bernier with Say Yes Coaching, and this podcast is called Being Brave with Amy B. Yes, I changed the name. Amy B is who I am. Um, and today we're going to be talking about, I don't actually know what we're going to be talking about, but it is going to be about bravery. Um, I want to introduce you to my good friend, Mark Greatness Hunter. I've yeah. known him for many, many years now. And we met, we became friends instantly, and the rest is history. He's the kind of person where you, I don't know, we never know what we're going to talk about, but we always talk about awesome things. I feel like slowly but surely we are, uh, you know, looking for solutions for like world peace and stuff. And one of these days, we're going to stumble on it and it's going to be really we'll exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so Mark is a speaker. He is an author. What are your other labels? Uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I run a couple of businesses. I am greatness is one where it's all about motivation. Uh, we, we are, we're also putting together a clothing line, motivational clothing line with quotes and different things of that nature. I also run a, a home improvement store with my family. So we, we do that. We fix residential homes. We also flip houses. And in addition to that, I'm a U.S. Army veteran. So I served uh, three years active duty, two years in the reserves. I was in Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation New Dawn. So I have that experience as well. And uh, I'm an all around good guy. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. I endorse Mark Greatness Hunter with all of my heart. One hundred percent. <laughs> and I just want to acknowledge you. Mark is one of the first people who said yes to being on my podcast when I originally created it. And I have to say, I have a special place in my heart for people that say yes to my to my visions and then also are willing to roll with me when things don't actually unfold the way I thought. So <laughs> I was supposed to have this conversation with Mark, you know, a couple years ago, but I believe in divine timing. So clearly today is the day. And I'm going to start this conversation off with the question to you in your experience, what does being brave mean to you? Being brave, being brave means stepping into your greatness. <laughs> just, just as you mentioned, I remember uh, I want to say it was around 2017, uh, maybe 2016, a little earlier, that I had made, I stopped making New Year's resolutions and I started making New Year's statements, right? And one of my statements that first year was to no longer play small. And, and, and for some time, I had always felt like, and I don't want to toot my own horn, but I always felt like my intellect- Toot it! Toot it! <laughs> My, my intellect or how, uh, how, how well I've done, uh, my accomplishments that I've uh, accrued over the years that I didn't want to throw those or I didn't feel like I wanted to put those things in people's faces. So I, I shied away from it. I made myself small to fit in with everybody else. But the reality is I, I, I don't fit in with most people. I, and like I said, uh, toot my own horn. I've, I've done a lot of exceptional things. I've been at the top of uh, classrooms. I've been at the top of my company in platoons in the military. Um, in the business world, I've done very well, as, as well as in public speaking. I've, I've won and, and earned accomplishments in that as well. So in every field that I step into, 
I've done pretty well for myself. And I think that it's important that I, I don't belittle myself or, or try mm. to fit in. It's important that I, I show everybody exactly who I am. And that's, you know, like you mentioned, Mark Greatness Hunter. That's how I got the name. <laughs> Would you be willing to share that story of choosing to identify as Mark Greatness Hunter? Because ever since I've known you, it's been a part of who you are and how you show up. But there must be a time when you made a decision that this is who you were and then mm. stepped into it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so basically the, the nickname came uh, in high school. I was uh, playing on the basketball team uh, for my first couple of years, freshman and sophomore year. And then going into my junior year, it was well known that I was one of the top players at the school. Uh, if not um, one of the top two, the best player in the school. And one day uh, I went to the tryouts, me and the coach were having it out. I had uh, at this point decided that I had, I wanted to spend more time during the summer chasing girls and partying than actually playing basketball because of being an arrogant young man. <laughs> so a few times I skipped some summer league basketball games and me and the coach got into a few arguments about some practice uh, during some practices and things. And, and into the school year, I went to the tryouts, but I had made the decision that I wasn't going to play for him that year. And uh, almost looking at it as if it was the NBA or something like that. <laughs> and I could get the coach fired if they had a bad season, which they did end up having a bad season. But uh, I went to the tryouts and I dominated. I, I showed that I was easily one of the best players in the school. And I remember one day in the hallway, I was hanging out with my girlfriend and I had a few friends around me. And a guy walks up to me and he was at the tryout. And he cuts between my friends. He shakes my hand and he says, it was an honor to play against the great one. And, <laughs> and I was kind of taken aback by it. And um, I remember after that, my friends, they just kept calling me. They were kind of jokingly, oh, the great one, the great one, this, this, and that, right? And that's actually become my, my handles for social media. But uh, I, I told them, I said, the great one, that's the nickname of, of Wayne Gretzky. You know, I'm, I'm not Wayne Gretzky. Somebody already has that. But I said, you know what? Uh, I always liked, there was a, a football player. His nickname was Sweetness. He played for the Chicago Bears. He was a running back, uh, um, Walter Payton. And I, I liked the nickname Sweetness. And I said, you know what? You can call me greatness. And then from that point on, to this day, <laughs> friends from high school, if I call them and they answer the phone, that's the first thing that they say to me. They say, greatness. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and that just kind of carried on. So I go into college, you know, uh, have friends that, that were calling me that. And it became pretty well known. Once I got into the military was probably one of the first times that I really had to earn the nickname. So in the military, they have this thing where they say uh, there's only one thief in the military and everybody else is just trying to get their stuff back. Right. So so what we all have to do is write our names on all of our gear just in case someone steals it. So then you can point and say, hey, this is mine. So uh, what I ended up doing was writing Mark Greatness Hunter on all of my gear. And I remember a lot of times people would ask me, like, what's up with this this greatness stuff? What's up with, you know, you writing greatness as your like your middle name here or whatever. And I, I told them, oh, it's my nickname. But I also kind of felt weird because this is my nickname from playing basketball. You know, and I, by this point, I'm 20, 22 years old. I'm four years removed from high school. 
And these guys don't know me as this awesome basketball player. <laughs> you know, they, they know me as this private in the military who's actually doing pretty terrible as his first few, his first year in the military. And uh, I had to prove uh, myself as to why I had this nickname. And, and by the time that I left, uh, they were calling me greatness as well. So it was it was definitely something that became almost like an affirmation for myself because I, I was always writing it on different things and on and on my gear. So it by the time I left, everybody was calling me greatness. And it was a good that's thing. amazing. That's amazing. So when you first got this nickname, you know, you were really, really, really like kind of a star in in basketball and you right. could kind of like choose whether you were going to play or not. Right. Did you find yourself um like, was it something that came naturally uh, or did you have to work hard for it? Or basketball. what was your, yeah, like, mm -hmm. what was your process? Like, were you like, well, yeah, I'm greatness because you already had that confidence or like, I'm curious about like the lead up to even being really good at basketball. So I'll, I'll be honest, I, I didn't have that much confidence as even as a basketball player. It just was like a thing that I really enjoyed doing. I played basketball all the time. I'd be in my driveway. I remember my dad bought a hoop for the driveway and actually extended the pavement so I have more room to play. He used to take me to uh, some of the, the public courts and I would play against grown men from the time that I was around 12 years old. And it was just something that I was passionate about. Um, also being... If you ever read the book, there's a, a book by Malcolm Gladwell where it's called Tipping Point. No, maybe it was Tipping Point. It's about 10,000 hours. Yeah, that, that one. one. The one where he talks <laughs> about the 10,000 hours. In that book, he mentions that there are, you know, the people who are born in like September and like I think August and September and play uh, winter sports, they, they grow a little bit faster. They have a little bit of an edge over other people. So I was a little bit taller. I was a little bit faster. And it just it just happened that way where I was always kind of one of the best players. And as a result of being one of the best players and something coming easily to you, you want to do it more, you know, mm, so mm -hmm. I, I built up my skill and I was well known from the time that I was like 11 or 12 as one of the top guys. And then that just carried on because I just loved to play the game because it came to me so easily. Mm. And then uh, once I got to high school, you know, um, and I started having those fallouts with the coaches being a little bit too arrogant, having always been one of the better players. Uh, that's that's kind of where the falling out came. And then <laughs> the nickname also came because I just love playing the sport. Um, sidebar, uh, even though I didn't play for the, <laughs> my, the the high school team that year, I went and I played in the church league and we won the championship. So <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. If that's <laughs> yeah. not greatness, I don't know what is. <laughs> so did the, that nickname, like, was there like an uncertainty or there were, like, oh, like, I don't know if this fits me like this. That's a pretty big mm. uh, label, if you want right. to call it that. There's mm -hmm. probably a better word for that. Um, a pretty big, like, name, let's say, to live up to. Did you own it, like, right from the beginning? Like, no. no. Okay. <laughs> Not from the beginning. From the beginning, <laughs> just like a joke amongst me and my friends, you know? Right, right. That I took seriously. But once I got into the military, it was as as it continued to I continued to be called that. And as I got into the military, that was where I was more self-conscious about it. And I remember like I was telling you that story where the first time someone asked me, what is this greatness stuff? Why are you putting Mark Greatness Hunter on this? I was 
terrible. I, the first thought was just like, man, what, what can I tell him? Like, I kind of put my head down and I, I didn't know how to really say anything or, or what to tell him. I just, I felt like, you know, maybe this doesn't fit me because at that mm. time in the military, I was probably one of the worst soldiers, you know, uh, you know, can I curse? Oh yeah. Cur- curse okay. away. Yeah, of course. So, in the military. It's me. Always... <laughs> <laughs> you can curse. <laughs> so in the military, especially early on, when I got to my, my first unit, I was labeled a shitbag. You know, I was one of the, the worst guy. I didn't want to be there. Uh, I had no actual interest in being in the military ever in my life. It just happened to be some, somewhere I ended up. Um, and I didn't find any pleasure or fun in anything that we were doing. I didn't want to go to war. And I'm in this place basically by myself. No more, no more friends. I'm no more, no longer the cool guy, the party guy. Uh, and I'm in this strict environment that I'm not succeeding in. So writing Mark Greatness Hunter on these things, it was, ugh. I, once the person asked me, I just, I was like, man, I, I don't know what to tell you. You know what I mean? And I, and I, but from that point on, when they said I, I went out and I, I made the, the decision to prove it like let me mm. show these guys you know what i'm about and why I, I i got that nickname so i don't know much about like choosing to go into the military or what you know that experience is like could you if you're if you're open to it would you be open to giving kind of like you said oh i just i fell into this I'm not somebody that was desiring to go into war. Uh, it really didn't fit who I was. So the first question that pops up is then how did you, how did you get there? How did you get to that spot? <laughs> so what ended up happening was, you know, I, I go off to college and uh, it was college was okay. Like I said, college, I, I made some, some, some great friends and some friends that lasted a lifetime that I'm still friends with today, but uh, I didn't enjoy school. I enjoyed the social aspect of it. I didn't like going to class. Uh, I found a girl who, I, I, by all means, at that point was the love of my life. And I expected to go off and marry her and, and be with her forever. And even though that didn't end up, we're still friends to this day. <laughs> Yay! But, <laughs> but uh, I started to kind of flunk out. I started dropping classes and I made the decision that it was time for me to kind of move on with my life, that I had to go do something else because college wasn't it. And I, I remember I was trying to go get some jobs. Oh, but you know what? Before that, I had being a broke college student, I had made a poor decision. I, I decided one day to go uh, and shoplift from a grocery store that was nearby my apartment. And I had done this many times before and um, I ended up stealing some canned goods. And what, what, what ended up happening, the guy caught me. And I'll say this, I had a New Year's resolution to stop stealing that year. And this was in 2008. I said, I'm going to stop stealing this year. I go to that store. It was called McClanahan's. I said, this is the last time I'm ever going to steal. I go in there and I got caught. And I felt that it was just, that I deserved to be caught. I said I wasn't going to do it anymore. I did it one more time. And uh, I go to the back. The guy says, what did you steal? I show him a few of the canned goods. It, it ended up being, I think, $7 or something like that worth of canned goods. Between, I'm not exactly sure, but between $7 and $15 worth of stuff. And uh, ended up paying over $1,000 for the uh, what I had to pay for the, the courts and, as, and what I had to pay to the store. But now, as a result of having you know, a retail theft on my record, it was a, a much harder job 
uh, for me to get a job. It was much harder for that. Um, people were giving me interviews. It turned mm-hmm. out the interview would go great. But then they do the background check and saw that just a few months ago, I got caught shoplifting, right? And uh, as a result of going to several interviews, uh, ended up finding a, a job doing some type of woodwork that I just didn't enjoy. I didn't want to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And one day I go to a call center. The guy doesn't even give me an interview. He just says, hey, you got retail theft on your record. I can't, I can't hire you. And at that point, I was kind of dressed pretty snazzy, <laughs> wearing like a little suit thing for the interview. And I walked sure. straight to the uh, recruiter's office from there. I was, I was still at Penn State University. So I, I actually enlisted in the military that day um, at Penn State University at the recruiting office. That's so interesting. You know, when you were starting to tell the story, I there was a part of me that was like, he's going to let you off. He's going to let you off. It's only $7 or or even 15. Like that's so minimal. And, you know, obviously to the fullest, (laughs) do you, it, upon reflection, you said you felt it was just, do you think that your life may have played out differently? Had that not occurred? Do you think you would have stuck to your resolution? Like, did you, is this, I don't want to say, was this a pivotal point in your life? Like enough that it, it was important that it happened? Or is that, am I going too far in saying that? No, no. I think that that was a pivotal point. Like, so I I had created, you know, a boundary. I was saying going into this new year, I'm never going to steal again. This will be the last time. And I think that sometimes, Sometimes, you know, God will show you, (laughs) hey, listen, you said you weren't going to do it again. You did it one more time. And uh, listen, this is your consequence. And as a result, my life ended up diverting a completely different way. And I can tell you this. I think even even from the point when I decided not to play basketball in in high school, my junior and senior year, because I just didn't get along with the coach, my life could have gone completely different that way. I could have ended up Mm. getting scholarships for for uh, different college or colleges and whatnot. I might've been at a different school. I might've had a free ride. So me ended up joining the military. A lot of that had to do with not just the shoplifting, but also dropping out after three years of college. Now I got college loans. Uh, I remember my mother, when I, do, when I told them that I was dropping out, she would call me every single day that, and she would, and she would say, how are we gonna pay these college loans? How are we going to pay these college loans every day after I told them I was dropping out? I swear to you, it's not a joke. She, she, I felt like she would leave home, call me, wake me up in the morning, ask me how I was going to pay these college loans. So I started, like I said, I started looking for jobs and I went to the military, uh, the military recruitment station, the army. And they told me that there was a program that they could put me in and uh, that program would pay off my college loans. They could also, because of the college that I've already, uh, been taking part of the credits that I had, they can give me a bonus. I think the bonus was like seven or eight thousand dollars, and then they were going to pay off the other fifty-six thousand that I had in, in loans. So I I signed up. You know, I chose the job. I took the test that day, and uh, I walked out of there. And the next morning, when my mother called me, she said, uh, "How are we going to pay these college loans?" And I said, "I joined the military. They're going to take care of everything." And I hung up the phone. <laughs> That's powerful. So it was an answer. It was a solution to a problem. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find a job. And I also had a uh, huge bills coming, you know, in the very near future. So it kind of answered all of those problems. Wow. Let me turn this. Okay. Off. 
Yeah, sure. That's right. It's later over there yeah, yeah. for you. Cut two hours a two hours time difference. <laughs> a little bit. I don't know if that helps a little bit. Yeah, it does. Cool. Um, right. So at this point, you know, you're telling me all of this stuff. There's so many other conversations that we've had together. Um, and I, I, I see you as someone who embodies this greatness mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily because you're great at everything, but from my perspective, you're an open person, you're a willing person, you learn, you're willing to try again. You have those qualities where you just keep moving forward no matter what happens, you know? And so like, there's a part of me that's like, you know, hearing these stories that I'd never heard before. And I'm like, really? And I think that There's so much, there's so much bravery, you know, this, this whole podcast is about bravery. And really to me, everyone has a brave story. Everyone has a multitude of brave stories, but so often it comes down to, um, from my point of view, like being with yourself and then making a decision for, for you even if it's scary or uncomfortable or, you know, if whether it's perceived by others as being a, a small risk, a large risk, it doesn't even matter. Like every decision that we make for us, you know, saying yes for us in that moment, even if, you know, down the road, we think, oh shit, I made the wrong choice or whatever. In the moment that we say yes to something, that's a moment of bravery. Sure. What do you think? No, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, um, when <laughs> once I got to the military, one of the toughest things to do was to acclimate. And I'll tell you that I used to consider myself, especially when I got there, that I was a a hippie. I was a hippie in the military. I wasn't for it uh, at all. And uh, acclimating and kind of really becoming a soldier was difficult for me. And I think that had a lot to do with the early the first year where I was fighting against it. And uh, mm. once I decided to really step into it, said, hey, you know what? I'm not getting out of here, you know, anytime soon. I got three years of this. So let's get through it the best way that we can. And the best way to get through it is to do your time and, and become the best soldier that you can be. So I stepped into that. I stepped, I, I saw who was, who was the guy who's doing the best on the PT test? Who was the guy who seemed the smartest? I started to, to build my own crew. Next thing you know, I, I have a crew of guys who are accomplishing things, you know, next, going to military schools that are doing the right thing. And uh, I became that as well. And um, I became one of the top guys as a result. So what kinds of decisions does Hippie Mark or what does it look like, like to go from Hippie Mark to like Soldier Mark? Okay. Like that can't be an easy transition. And did you feel like you could remain there? Hippie Mark could, it was still alive and well in there while you were stepping into what you felt you had to do, which was embrace where you are and be the best soldier that you could be. What, what's that like? Like, what's that transformation 
experience so, like for you? So, so the, the part of me that did remain and I, and to this day, I still hold on to this was, you know, the way that you felt at that time, you know, always remember that, you know, you're not, or let me rephrase that the way that I felt by the way that people were treating me when I was kind of, when I was down and the, the guy that nobody wanted to be around, I remembered that. And I never wanted to make anybody else feel that. So the hippie part of me maintained this, this idea that we all deserve respect because in the military, there's this thing that they said to me time and time again, respect is earned, respect is earned, respect is earned. And I don't, I don't agree with that. I think that as a human being, you deserve respect. It's just a part of being human. Respect me, show me respect. It, it got to a point where I was threatening to fight people because I felt like I was constantly being disrespected. They weren't treating me like a man. And uh, you know, obviously that was something that I had to overcome and I had to show them that you know I could be better. But at the end of the day, you, when you're not treating me right, you know how, how is it that you can expect me to wanna fight for you? If you're not treating me as an equal or if you're not treating me like a human being. So once I started to progress as a soldier, once I got the intelligence, I started, you know, I started reading up about my job more and learning about it. I started working on my physical fitness. I became one of the top guys. And, you know, as far as the uh, physical uh, training and, and fitness was concerned, um, it it all kind of came together. But I never allowed guys who came after me or the guys that were in there with me at the same time. I never allowed for them to be mistreated. And I, I became known as a guy who stood up for others if I saw others being mistreated. I was, I was willing to do the push-ups and take the punishment as long as I was able to get into someone's face and let them know like, hey, treating this person this way isn't right. So the hippie part of me still, still maintained to a degree, but I, I definitely became somewhat of a, a super soldier in the aspect that I was, I was really into my job. I, uh, I gained a profound love for this country and uh, for what I had to do while we were in Iraq. Um, but that was the transformation. I just, uh, I became uh, a U.S. Army soldier for real. I didn't half-ass it anymore. So, man, I had a question. I feel feel like it, it just evaded me. Let me sit with this for just a second. So, you know, again, me not having firsthand experience in the military and probably being like hippie Mark more than soldier Mark, um, but who knows? Like, I don't know. Um, do you feel like my understanding of being in the military, my limited, probably stereotypical, I'm going to like have that caveat, is that it's really important um, to be someone that, that, that follow, like is willing to do it a hundred percent because someone that's superior to them said so without the element of saying like, are you sure about that? Like, <laughs> I cannot imagine myself being in that position um, only because like, I find myself questioning, questioning like large groups of people blindly from my perspective, potentially blindly, but in a trusting way, following the orders, I guess I'm kind of a rebel like that. Yeah. Um, 
that I really didn't really realize that about myself. And probably until the last 10 years, I'm like, you know what, Amy, you're really shitty at following directions. <laughs> and that's ironic because you spent 15 years telling kids, you know, what to do on some level. So maybe I'm wrong about myself <laughs> in terms of, you know, what I even just said, if I've been in a position of power, you know, telling other people what to do. So maybe I'm full of shit. Um, <laughs> I'm always open to learning something new and finding out that like, you know, I'm limited so in my perspective. So I'm fine with that. Um, so where's my question? My question would be, yeah, did you, did you have to buy in to it like fully in order to be successful? Uh, I'll, I'll say this. I, no. And, and the reason, <clears throat> the reason that I say no is there is a, there's a way. Okay. So remember I was saying how the, the uh, you have to earn respect thing in the military. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's it's not respect that you have to earn. It's the, the right to be a leader, right? Mm. I feel like uh, there were guys who were a part of my leadership. My my team leader at the when I first got in was a guy who was really hard on me, who made me want to quit the military. And I'll tell you, <laughs> this is the craziest thing. When I got to the when I when I, the first day that I got to Kelly Hill, which is where I was at Fort Benning, the I, I go to my company and this short guy, uh, his name, we called him a Sar- Sergeant Van. He uh, is my team leader. He has this all in the office. And there's maybe about, I want to say three or four privates, brand new guys. And he said, he looks at me and he says, he says, I know a guy who looked, who looked just like you. And he was a piece of shit. And that's, that's all he said to me. He said, he was a piece of shit and I'm expecting you to be a piece of shit too. This is the first day. Never met the guy. Never never said anything wrong to him. Never did anything wrong. It's my first day. And then from that day on, he just, he treated me disrespectfully. Uh, up until the point that I had to get into his face and I had to, you know, I threatened him one day. And, and the story behind that is, is a pretty crazy one. But I, I had a, just to shorten it, I had a guy, I was in a, I was in training to be a Bradley driver. And as, as a Bradley driver, you have a crew. It's a three-man crew. You have a gunner, and then you have the uh, leader of the crew, who was, for me, the LT. I was the, the lieutenant's driver. So any vehicle that lieutenant was in, I was always the driver. And the, my gunner, we had just come from the range one night, and he said, hey, uh, just leave your gear in my truck. That way, you won't have to bring it all the way upstairs to your room. And then the next morning, I'll just drive up right next to the company. You can throw it on real quick and we'll get in formation. Well, the thing that ended up happening was it was daylight savings time that day, uh, the next day. So I think it was the time had come forward an hour. So he ended Mm -hmm. up being like he ended up being late. Like he didn't wake or no. Yeah, it went back an hour. So he ended up uh, he didn't wake up on time. So he was like an hour late and he lived off base. So he had my gear. And at the time, I'm a new soldier. I don't know which guys are bad soldiers or have been bad soldiers for years. This is a guy that they assigned to me. I've been there a couple months. And what ends up happening is, like I said, he comes late. He ends up getting into like a car accident situation. I don't have my gear. I look worse 
on top of already having been one of the worst soldiers there at that time and constantly um, being punished and, and put in situations where I had to do a whole bunch of extra physical activity, smoke sessions and whatnot. And I remember my, my team leader just saying, just saying, Hunter, drop. And I, was, I started doing push-ups. And up to this point, this was, like I said, a daily thing where if, if I did something wrong, I was being punished. If I didn't do something wrong, I was being punished. And when I say if I didn't do something wrong, I mean, if the commander of our company, this is the commander is typically the captain. He leads our company. If he told me that I could leave early, I would then go, I'd leave early. I'd take a taxi to go do something. And my team leader, who was like the lowest leader on the totem pole, would tell me to come back to the company. And he'd, he'd smoke me before I leave the company because I didn't tell him that I was leaving. Stupid stuff like that. It, it, I, would, I would be punished for. So like I said, if I did something wrong, I got punished. If I didn't do something wrong, I got punished. And it really started to wear on me. And then this day after this happened where the, my gunner didn't show up, I just had enough. And I remember I just, I'm doing push-ups and I got tears in my eyes. And I stood up and I remember I I remember the guy next to me, uh, his name was, uh, his name was Dish. And he said to me, he's like, he's like, dude, don't do it. Don't do it. And I was just like, fuck, I was like, fuck this man. And I just, I walked out of formation and I started walking back to my room. I was like, listen, I quit. <laughs> I said, dude, I was like, this is, this is like my second, I think it's my second or third month at that point. I'm like, I, I cannot do this for three years. I said, there's no way my body is exhausted. I, you know, you guys are forcing me to do all this physical exertion every day. I'm also going to the gym. I'm trying to be better because you guys are telling me that I'm a piece of shit. I can't do this anymore. Like I said, free flowing tears coming down my face. And this guy's yelling at me, just Hunter, Hunter, just standing behind me screaming. And I turned around and I told him, I said, if you say my name one more time, I'm going to punch you in the face. And then I walked away. Uh, then I had another guy who, who I respected. He came and he stopped me. And then uh, we had a conversation and we figured it out. Um, but I remember that was that was the day that broke me. But then on top of that, I, I realized that not everybody deserves to be a leader. There's not everybody deserves to be respected. And that was something that I held on to. I didn't respect every leader that was in the chain of command. I respected a few people who, who proved to me that they deserved to be there as leaders. I respected my, my, my squad leader, Sergeant Mack, and I respected, uh, more importantly, uh, my platoon sergeant, um, Sar Sar uh, Staff Sergeant Rodriguez at the time. Right now, he's a, uh, he's a uh, command sergeant. But uh, yeah, I, I respected those people, and they taught me a lot. Uh, and I love those guys, and they became like uh, pseudo fathers for me. And uh, one, uh, a few of the reasons that uh, I became successful in the military was because of those guys. So ultimately, the dude that was basically harassing you, mm -hmm. like the, the little that I know about the military is like, is that commonplace? Like, <laughs> like, do they choose one person and like, basically try to destroy that? Like, is that a lesson for everybody? Like, is there justification behind this? Or is this dude like, He's power hungry. He's lost all ability to be empathetic or compassionate. And he's just fucking working his power because he probably gets off on it. 
Like, what's your perspective? So I think that the power hungry part had a lot to do with it. (laughs) The guy, this is a short guy. (laughs) So I don't know, you know, they say that, you know, little Napoleonic complex, if you will. (laughs) So he was a little guy, but obviously in the military, it doesn't matter if he has, he's an E5 or I mean, a sergeant, he, he has the power and I have to listen. Um, but what I didn't know, especially because I was a new soldier, was that what he was doing was considered abuse. And there's there were things that I could have uh, or actions that I could have taken to get it to stop. But I didn't know. But you know what? The worst part about it was and, and just kind of like circle back to what I said before. There were people around me, soldiers who knew that what he was doing was wrong. And to this day, sometimes people will reach out to me and they talk to me and they say, hey, man. Like, congratulations on on what you ended up becoming in the military and beyond, because I remember what what used to go on your early few, your early year when you got into the military and you went through a lot and you shouldn't have had to go through that. So people knew that that what that guy was doing was abusive and was wrong. But, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, God puts you in these situations, you know, and uh, you come out of them stronger. He ended up that same team leader ended up getting kicked out of the company because he started to do things that were over our first sergeant's head, which is also one of the leaders of the company. So our first sergeant got him out of there. And thank God, because it made my life a little bit easier. Didn't get a lot easier, but a little bit easier because I didn't have to deal with somebody uh, abusing me up to that point. But uh, after that, I learned about um, legally what I could have done and how I could have overcame that. And I shouldn't have had to go through that. Um, And like I said, I became the guy to to put my put my foot down if I saw somebody else going through situations like that because uh, so many people had let me down early on in my career. Right, I feel like um, you know what this this lends itself to a conversation around um, you know if somebody's being tr- mistreated and there's a group of people that are afraid, you know, because it's against the rules or whatever. Like, there's so many people that that out of fear for themselves in retribution, because they don't want to, it's like, um, I had a situation like this when I was teaching in the inner city. And what I found was I was being targeted by my principal and people would avoid me like the plague as if that abuse was contagious. And very few Mm -hmm. people would, if any people would even acknowledge what was going on. And that's a really scary place to be when in, in some ways in my, ex, my experience in teaching was you don't know what to do to make it stop. Mm-hmm. And for me at the time, I was so willing to believe that it was me. Like I somehow lost the ability to to tell myself this person is wrong. This person is in power and they're using it against you. And I forgot that I had the ability to take actions to make it stop. I just fully, fully gave my power to that person and thought Mm -hmm. they must be right or it wouldn't be happening. Right. They must be right. Or, and I think, um, I've always, I've always been that kind of person to stand up for others, even if I felt like I was going to get in trouble. But I think as a, as a kid, I was, but I think with this experience as an adult, 
you realize that we we get into these systems. It might be a job situation. It might be the military. It might be even a relationship where where slowly but surely we start to believe that the system is right. And we lose our sense of, I don't want to say lose our sense of humanity, but we, we think that we need to, or I, I'll speak from my own experience. I thought I just, I must've been doing something wrong and I just didn't see it. Like, I'm like, I'm following all the fucking rules. I'm doing all the work and I'm actually breaking down because I'm going outside of work and, and doing more work and doing more research and like all of this stuff. Like I bought into it yep. and I didn't think that I would be like there, there was a part of me upon reflection. I'm like, I never thought that kind of thing would happen to me, but it's mm-hmm. kind of like an insidious thing that if everybody around you buys into the system and the rules, then it's really, really hard, like psychologically to not also buy into it, you know? Yeah. I started to believe that I was the shit bag that they were telling me that I was because he's putting me through all this stuff and there's gotta be a reason for it. And then I'm, I'm going after work, I'm hitting the gym, I'm trying to become better. And then I'm coming back into, into work for more and, it got to a point where it was hard for me to roll over at night and sleep because my body was just so sore from attempting to become better because I just felt like that I was the piece of shit that they were telling me that I was. And then you get that confirmation from everybody else around you. And now on top of that, because you're, you're working so hard, it looks even worse. I remember times where he would tell me the drop and my muscles had just been, you know, so like so sore, so tired that I would only be able to do a few push-ups. So I ended up looking as a result of trying to be better, looking even more pathetic than I had previously. And then you got even more people from other platoons and other individuals seeing you getting smoked. And uh, it just, uh, it was definitely a confirmation. And that's part of where I was telling you, writing down Mark Greatness Hunter on my equipment. It was, it was hard to explain to people what that greatness meant at that time because they had seen otherwise for months, you know, previous to that. So, you know, stepping into that was, was difficult, but uh, it was something that I always knew that I could, a place that I knew, I knew that I could get to, but I just wasn't there yet. And I just had to prove myself that I could get there. I don't, I really have this sense that not everybody could move through that type of scenario um, and ultimately come out the other side. I don't want to say better because you were you were worthy of respect and appreciation before you joined. I 100%. Mm-hmm. But there were definitely some lessons there that gave you some perspective on clearly if you became known as the person that would stand up for others, then you clearly still held on to who you really are and mm-hmm. were given the opportunity. Um, you probably helped so many people, whether you know it or not, um, because of who you be, who you chose to be in this situation, even when, um, you were feeling like, you know, I'm a piece of shit. Like they're saying, like, I see all the evidence, like see all this fucking evidence. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I would be curious as to whether you, would you speak about 
your perspective. Cause I, you're definitely a leader. You're a leader in how you show up. It's not just what you say and what you do, but it's, it's who you are, you know, and that's, that's the greatness that I've known since we met. Um, do you believe that your, what's your perspective on leadership? What makes a good leader has, has that experience allowed you to become a better leader? Yeah, for sure. So I, I would say what makes a great leader is someone who is one, I'll say lead by example, right? Mm. So you're not just telling people what to do. Uh, you're mm-hmm. doing yourself, you know, you're like, uh, like I mentioned my platoon sergeant, you know, he was, he scored 300 points on the, the PT test at that time. Every time that we took it, he showed us that, Hey, listen, you can, you know, you can get a perfect score and you should be able to get a perfect score because I can get a perfect score. He showed, he was the one who, who taught me how to, uh, uh, carry my weapon properly, you know, different things of that nature. He, 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 he led by example. And then he showed me exactly what he did in order to, to, to be better as well. So I think that it's important that you, one, lead by example. Um, and two, be compassionate. Like when I was being smoked and made fun of, and uh, a lot of the reason that I had, I think, two or three friends at that time. And the, the people that hung out with me were the people, were the other, uh, the other soldiers that were in my, my platoon, like who were new guys. So it was like only a couple guys who were from my squad who were also going through the same stuff with that team leader, even though I think I had it a little bit worse than them. Um, they, they were the only people who would hang out with me. And then <laughs> they didn't, like I said, because they weren't getting it as bad as me, they weren't seeing it as shit bags. So they had opportunities to hang out with other soldiers. Other soldiers wanted to be around them. But when you're the shitbag, nobody wants to hang out with the shitty soldiers, right? So I ended up being uh, alone a lot of the time by myself on weekends, you know? And I, I would, and, I, and it's as a result of that bad name being put out there because you have a, a team leader who's, who's putting you through the mud and is saying terrible things about you. So I think having team leaders or just in, leaders in general, who are compassionate, knowing that, hey, you're trying, you're getting better, and uh, you're going to be okay, because I see you working hard. This is, that's not what was happening with me. They can see that I was working hard. People can confirm that I was in the gym every night, you know, working out with guys. I had a friend whose his name was Bailey. He, he played on a, a college football team, and he would, I would go to the gym with him, and I would learn how to lift weights and different things like that before I started to learn on my own. So I, I was getting competent information from people. But at the end of the day, that's not what they saw. They saw the fact that the next day I could barely do any push-ups because my muscles were sore. Oh, it must be because you're just out of shape. You're, you know, you're just a terrible soldier. But that, that's not what the case was. But when you have when you have leaders like uh, like I was saying, um, my platoon sergeant, Sergeant Rodriguez, there were situations where I could have gotten it much worse. And I remember a specific one where I had sprained my ankle and I know I had, I had done something that messed, I messed up. I had forgotten my weapon in a porter porta potty, right? Somebody found it and they came and they got me and they said, is this yours? And I said, yeah. And I knew that I was going to get it right. I, that was my mistake. I understand why I'm being punished. So I did get punished a little bit. And then something happened where I ended up spraining my ankle. I had an air cast on my ankle. And I remember we were in a tent and I had my team leader and I'm, I'm ready to take everything that comes with that. My mm-hmm. team leader goes over to him and he says like, Hey, uh, we want to take Hunter out back and we're going to, you know, you know, 
like roam around and stuff like that or whatever punishment they wanted me to do and i remember um i remember he uh shoot he told me to walk over to him and uh they, they asked me to bring them something and you know i got up uh super confident i walk over to him like there was nothing wrong with me and i and i gave it to him and uh then i go back and i, I walk you know and i just stood there because i knew because i could hear them because they weren't too far away from me they're just like uh a few cots away, you know. I just remember, uh, I remember standing there, just kind of waiting for them to say, like, "All right, all right go, you know, go take him outside, do whatever." And uh, I was ready for it. And uh, and he said, "No," he said, "No," he said, "Uh, let him, let him rest." So I sat down, and I remember, uh, I sat down and. Uh, I took off, you know, I started to take my, my boot off and I took off the air cast. And I remember him just, I, I remember uh, Sergeant Ryan just stopping and pointing. He said, look, so the reason he was able to walk over here is because he has a, he has a fucking air cast on. And, and uh, who knows, uh, you know, that could have, he might've, he might've saved me from further injury because I was willing to go, you know, I was willing to do it. But uh, that's, you know, that's a leader. That's compassion. And I remember laying to my cot and I just remember, you know, just crying. But yeah, that's, that's what we need. Absolutely. And I think that that's how you develop trust too. Yep. You know, acknowledging your humanity like you're a person sure, sure. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. really giving it everything without any yeah. kind of acknowledgement. I, yeah, I was, when I was willing to give a hundred percent. It didn't matter. I know I made a mistake. I know I'm going to get, <laughs> I'm going to get some shit for this for a while. I'm, I'm willing to take it, but uh, sometimes you need other people to point out, Hey, this, it's, it's enough for now, you know? And uh, that's important. Lead by example. Be compassionate and understand that there's things that people are going through. You may not understand, but uh, you have to get them to the next level. You can't force them to be there. Right. Like teamwork. Ooh. Like sometimes. Man, Amy, you got me. <laughs> thank Man, you. We... Thank you. Thank you. For... I knew it. I knew it was coming. <laughs> I said, I hope I don't cry. <laughs> don't worry. It's I'm over here. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I <laughs> I I it's an honor and a privilege to through you witness what you've experienced. Mm. And I know for a fact that anyone listening to this story that has felt that way, whether it be in the military or otherwise. Mm will be able to have some kind of comfort from your experience based on your willingness to be brave and share in, in a true and honest way, because, uh, you know, I, I have so many, I, I, I just, I have so much respect and appreciation for you being willing to have this conversation because what a painful and, like, I can't even imagine 
what that must feel like. And Mm -hmm. there are, there are others who have been through that kind of suffering and pain. You know, it's not like you asked for it, you know, it it was what happened. And, you know, sometimes I feel like when we're in abusive situations, so frequently the person that's being abused, the person that's being mistreated takes on, takes on the blame. Like we blame ourselves and think I must've done something to bring this on. I mean, and really that's like, maybe with leaving your weapon in the porta potty. Okay. Like you were willing to, to, to go there because you could see like, this is connected to this thing, you know, but the things that aren't connected to anything. And it just is like you being yourself is a problem. I think that sometimes we can take on the mentality, like I said before, as, as that's right. And I think there's a lot of people who have received that type of programming, you know, that type of conditioning. Um, And so I want to just honor you because you're sharing your story. You're having, you know, emotions about it is, is representative of a lot of people out there that are, that it could be, have had an experience like that or are going through an experience like that. Now, you know, part of the purpose of this podcast is to bring forth the stories, you know, to bring forth the, the true stories of moving through challenges in a very, in a brave way, because these things aren't talked about in like mainstream media and there is right. no shame. There is no, there, all of these things that we might be afraid of, like, I can say that I have more respect and more appreciation and more, you know, honoring of who you are based upon your sharing. And I really feel like if we can give people a voice to a variety of experiences, there are more people out there that can see like they're not alone, you know, and that's what you're, you're, you're doing right now. And Mm -hmm. I thank you for being on this journey with me. Um, because it takes a brave person and a strong person to do that, you know? And of course I have like a million questions and maybe we'll have to do another podcast episode because you and I could talk for ages about this and a variety of other things. Um, But we're coming to the end of our, of our time together. And my last question would be having gone through this experience and come out through the other side. For anybody that is experiencing something where they're just like, I can relate to everything that Mark Greatness Hunter just shared. Is there uh, something that you would wanna say to them? Well, the the number one thing that I would say and uh, something that I, I experienced while I was in the military was that uh, you don't have to go through this alone. There's There's someone out there that you can talk to or confide in. And I know early on when I was going through it with my team leader, they had recommended me to go to the pastor <laughs> or there was like a, I think it was a pastor. Um, and I would, I would go to his office every so often. I didn't go very often, but two or three times I went there. And um, uh, just at, at the end of the day, um, keep in mind that there are, there are people out there who are willing to help you get through your situation. So find people to talk to. Uh, it doesn't matter if you have to talk to, to 20 or 30 people before you find this, just the one, but uh, be active in your pursuit 
to have conversations with other people and, and, and be willing to, to share everything that you're going through and, and be vulnerable. You know, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to do, but uh, I know I, I could tell you that there were weeks, weeks on weeks and months on months that I just, I was by myself. And there was even a time where I called my father and uh, I didn't even say anything to him. I just called him and I was on the phone and I was crying and I didn't want him to hear my voice was shaky, but I just listened. I just listened to whatever he had to say, you know? And, uh, and he said some, some words to me and, and, and that was that. And I didn't say anything to him, <laughs> but I think through the phone, he could feel me, you know? But, uh, so just uh, find, find people to uh, confide in, you know? There's always somebody. Absolutely. Okay. So I have one more question. I know I'd say as a last question and then I have another question, <laughs> but I do. Um, so connection and moving beyond the aloneness and not giving up in terms of finding somebody you can talk to is what I heard you say. Is that, would you say that that's correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh so some of okay so let me put it like some of this alone time and this is also me being an individual who's who at that time loved reading books so uh i had read a lot of self-help books and things of that nature you know um, about writing down goals and stuff like that so a lot of me becoming successful in the military too had to do with yeah i might have been alone and I, I didn't have many people to talk to but i i wrote down goals i said what is the top soldier in our company and, and how did he earn his respect? And I remember at the time, there were guys who had these triple stack badges on their uniforms. And it was airborne, air assault, and uh, they had been to combat, so they had a combat action badge. And I said, okay, I can, at the very least, get two of those. You know what I mean? And we'll, we went, ended up going to Iraq. I did end up getting a combat action badge. But uh, I went to airborne school, and I did, a, I did have an opportunity to go to air assault school. It got canceled at the last minute. But uh, further from there, I ended up going to uh, uh, all these uh, uh, army combatives classes, and I ended up uh, earning the the or reaching the highest level in uh, army combatives in the military. And uh, these were these ended up being my my accomplishments, uh, something that put me above, you know, everybody else. But uh, I, I earned those things. <laughs> mm -hmm. I wrote down goals. I figured out how to accomplish them, and and I made them happen. So I, awesome. I would I would. Definitely tell people to uh, write goals um, and definitely find people to confide and find people to talk to because okay. you, you shouldn't go through uh, these situations alone. And that was probably my biggest mistake, although I did okay. Yeah. So my other question is, if you're a person that is witnessing someone else being treated poorly and what, what would you say upon reflection, what did you need from someone else at that time? What did I need from someone else? Yeah, like if you could, it, like you, a lot of what you said was there were a lot of people mm -hmm. who were witnessing this and knew that this dude was going like, was, was violating some rights and all of that. Yeah. What, what could have happened? Like what would have made it, I don't want to say better. I, that's not the right word, but what would have helped? Like if your experience was, was them not really doing anything, mm. what did you need from them? Man, 
I'm going to tell you something, man, and I don't know if everybody can do this, but for some people, it's just in you. Uh, not everybody has that audacity to stand up to people when something when something's happening, when something bad is happening, and you know something bad is happening. Uh, I've always kind of been that person, you know. I, I was I had a conversation with a friend a few months ago, and he was saying that you know I wasn't you know a super aggressive person. He was like I was the first person to always stand up for people. I was a, I was the first person who'd be willing to fight if something was to go down, but I would never be the person starting the fight. <laughs> you know, I wasn't that guy, but you know, I was willing to step in, you know, if something was, wasn't going the way that it should go, if somebody was being treated improperly. So it wasn't something that I had to, that I learned. It was just, it was something that was already in me. And mm-hmm. I'll be honest, like some people just, the people who didn't step in, which no one did, they, I just don't think that they had it in them. Mm-hmm. Because they knew that if, because in some situations, you take the place <laughs> of the person who's being mistreated. And because mm-hmm. now you got to think, I'm a guy who's a lower rank. And there were situations where I saw people who, who had the authority to make somebody do something that, was, that wasn't right. And I got, and I was there, I stepped up for them. But then as a result for talking disrespectfully to these people, I then was punished. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people who are willing to take your position, you know? But I, w- I was willing, hey, listen, you can you can't you can't outwork me. Yeah, like I, I'm willing to take it, but I'm not gonna let you continue to belittle this person. I remember one time it was a uh there was an E5, he made a guy stand up like he was sitting in a chair. And I was just like, that's not how you'd be a leader. I was like, leaders, you wouldn't, you don't take his chair, you know. And I and I, <laughs> even though this was something small, we had we got into it a bit and then I got punished for that, you know. Mm-hmm. And, but I refused to drop for him. <laughs> Mm -hmm. i said not for you i said i won't do it you know and then we uh we we had i had a another team leader who who handled me but but situations small things like that like hey listen that's a man that you're talking to like you can't just come in here and because you have rank and start to throw things around and make people do things that's not how that works Mm -hmm. it's not leadership Mm -hmm. so uh like it's just it's something that i think um, you can, everybody can learn it, but you got to be willing to take the punishment. It's just like I was telling my brother the other day that everybody should know how to fight. And the reason is because you should be able to, you should be able to say and speak freely in any room that you're in, but there are consequences for the things that you say. Some people may take it offensively. Mm-hmm. So it, it, in any room that I'm in, it's not that I want to fight you, but I'm going to say what I feel needs to be said. And if you think that we have to go hand to hand because of that, I'm willing to do it, but I'm not going to allow you to belittle or to to say things that I think that are incorrect. I'm going to get what I have to say out. And I don't mean it disrespectfully, but if you take it that way, I understand what we have to do next. So it's important, everybody, (laughs) you should, you have to be, you have to have that goal, that that audacity to be able to stand up for what's right and, and be able to stand up to somebody who may be bullying you, you know? And I don't think that everybody necessarily has that. And I don't fault the people who uh, weren't able to uh, to do that for me? Um, I don't I don't fault them at all. I don't hate them. I don't say anything bad. Some of those people choose not to speak to me today, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I you know I've never said they're lost. Yeah. Um, one more story that I got from that. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I want to may I may I interrupt just really quick? I just want to appreciate you for being that person, for making that choice, because as a woman, especially, um, 
in a group of people, you know, uh, there can be circumstances where as much as I want to be like the strongest and, you know, stand up to people oftentimes, um, you know, men, men or masculine identifying humans will, will literally have the physical strength Mm -hmm. that I don't, I don't have. And I find that when I'm with, um, you know, a masculine being who, who is willing to stand up for me and for mm-hmm. others, the amount of safety and the amount I'm able to like actually relax and, and, and be at ease within myself. It's, right. it's, it's seriously, uh, it's so, 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 so appreciated. You know, um, I've been in situations where, well, <laughs> There's a whole other part of my life that most people don't know about, (laughs) but like at times, like, you know, as, as a woman, you can be in unsafe situations. And if even a man walking down the street that sees someone else, you know, stepping towards a woman, like, I feel like there's, you know, cause we all get in bad situations sometimes, Mm -hmm. but if someone is willing to step up, and be like, I got you. Um, <laughs> that it's not, it's like you said, it's, it's not something that is within every person. I think it can be developed. Yes. But like from a, right. from a feminine standpoint, the, you know, masculine beings who are willing to do that, uh, you have my, my respect, my appreciation, like really next level, because there are some, <laughs> circumstances where, you know, I've, my ass has been, has been saved by someone like you, who is like stepping into someone who's, you know, maybe not respectful. Let's just put it that way. And, uh, it's so, so appreciated. I find that, um, the, the safety that you bring to a scenario, um, is like, there are no words for the gratitude that I, and I'm sure quite a lot of other uh, people feel so that is quite a a quality that is appreciated if no one's ever told me that before <laughs> yeah, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that i'm gonna send yeah. a recording of this to my cousins because i was explaining that to them too i said hey listen i i'm masculine so you don't have to be <laughs> so you get to be you he's like and i and if any threat comes this way i'm i'm going to take care of it so that's you your you. cousins are girl women girls three girls yep I can't, I can't explain to you like, and I've just learned as like a grown up woman that that wasn't something that I had or felt. Um, and it could be for a multitude of reasons. I'm not blaming anybody for anything, but I've been the kind of woman that has like had to take care of myself for a really, really long time. And when in the presence of someone that's like you, I got you like, Oh my God, that almost makes me want to like cry with relief, you know, (laughs) because having your own back. And I think a lot of women out there have had to kind of step in the masculine role for themselves um, time and time again. And, you know, when you've done that for a really long time, I will be honest, it's not the most natural. It's scary. It's scary Mm -hmm. to, to 
I'll be like, oh, somebody's got my back. I can relax, you know? So it's a thing. It's, it's out there. And I appreciate that you're aware of it and that you've verbally expressed it to Mm -hmm. your cousins because they might not know now, but like, that's an expectation that they can now bring forth and Mm -hmm. expect from the men that they or the masculine beings that they may desire to be with in a friendship or a romantic relationship, you've set the standard. They don't, they don't know anything different. So you've done them a service, whether they know it or not yet. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, that last story that I wanted to tell you, um, similar to like just standing up for people. I remember one time me and those three guys that I used to hang out with that were on my team, they, uh, they, we are all inside of a, a room and we were talking about Sergeant Van and how he's been mistreating us. And that the next time, this is, we're talking about the very next day. So the next time that he tries to drop us or smoke us for something stupid. So all three of us, we just need to stand up together and say, no, we're not doing it. Like this is wrong. So on and so forth. Right. So comes the next day, Sergeant Van told us to drop for something dumb to something that just wasn't, you know, something that we should drop for. And I remember I stood there and I said, no, I said, hey, we talked about this last night. So we're not dropping. I turned and I look at the other three guys. They're all down on the ground. Oh, oh, oh the guys. I'm standing there trying to tell us, sorry, man, you're wrong. We're not doing it. We, we this. I turned like, oh, I was shit. like, oh, man, y'all, <laughs> we talked about this. But yeah, they left me. They left me stranded by myself. But uh, like I said, that's, it's just, like I said, it's in me. That's just something that's in me. So. Absolutely. It's, it's in me too. And I think that in many ways it it looks different, like um, just with a different, like protests and things that have happened Mm -hmm. um, specifically with uh, black lives matter. Like it's been really interesting because I've always considered myself like um, a, what's the word? An activist of sorts. And I realized that the type, that the type of activism that you do can be, can look different from person to person, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I'll, I'll be honest, I, through my, uh, ability to choose, hence white privilege. I will acknowledge that. I was afraid to go to the protests. I was afraid to go. Um, So I chose to advocate in different ways, Mm -hmm. but like, I'm curious, like that is me being able to choose. And I wonder if, I wonder if I justified it because of the fear and I chose the easy way out or or whether I'm justified to have my advocacy look different. Well, I'll, I don't know. You, you can I, tell me I made the wrong choice right to my face and I will okay. take it. <laughs> I don't think that you made the wrong choice, but here's, here's what I will tell you. Are you I, just I, saying that because we're no, friends? <laughs> no, so this is something. And I didn't I expect to bring this up, but I'm bringing it up. Okay, so check this out, right? Martin Luther King uh, had said something uh, that all black people are important. And, and what he meant by it, right, was, that there are different types of black people. There are black people who are willing to be on the front lines and they'll be out there protesting. There are black people who 
are will be in the politician circles and they'll protest in that way. They won't be outside with you though, but they'll be in that way. There, there are business owners who will protest in their own ways. So everybody is important. Everybody has a job. So you choosing not to necessarily go out to the protest, there's other ways that you can show your activism and it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go outside. I didn't go to any of the protests. And the reason for that is I know that I have a voice. I know that there's, I can speak, I can do other things that shows exactly who I am and what I stand for. And, and eventually through business, uh, through just me articulating things that I, I'll be able to get things changed in that way, because that's my power. That's my superpower. I don't necessarily need to be out there. Not to say that I, I can't, I wouldn't ever do it, but I mm -hmm. didn't because that was my justification. There's other ways that I can make a change or that I can help that don't necessarily mean me actually going out there and picketing or, or being out there making or chanting, you know? Yeah. That's, what, that's I, how they did it. That's what they were, they were good for. And then let me go do what I'm good for. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Using our strengths. Yeah, yeah. actually, um, I was, I've listened to a couple of different speakers of, of different races who have spoken mm -hmm. to this very same theme. And um <laughs> One of them said, like, can you imagine like all the sensitive, like empathic people like going to a protest and like just yeah. feeling all of that feeling? <laughs> they all they don't have to go to the hospital purely because they were taking on the energy yeah. of anger and grief and hurt and all of that. And I was like, oh, yeah, like not everybody's like that. I have to forget that, like, not everybody like moves into a room and like feels all the things that other people are feeling around them. And I, I kind of thought, you know, I laughed at the time, but I was like, that's a, that's a good point. You know, mm -hmm. we all have different strengths and our different um, ways mm -hmm. of using those strengths to stand for what we believe in. Mm -hmm. And one, you know what, one isn't necessarily better than the other. Right. right? Like we right. need all layers. Yeah. And just to point out Martin Luther King, when he made that, when he made that, uh, uh, that when he mentioned that he was talking about a, a butler, because at that time, I think there was a black butler in the White House. And he was mentioning how that black man is important, although he's not out there uh, marching or picketing with the rest of, you know, everybody during his time. But that person's role was important still. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure there's a lot of different points of view on that, you know, mm -hmm. People, yep. some people could judge him and some people could say, you know, he's working from the inside, you know, right. he's a very powerful person. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I think that that comes down to like leadership too, that there are different types of leaders. And I think what this, the world is, is needing now is compassionate leaders, especially sure. people that are willing to have awkward, weird conversations that might not be quote unquote mainstream socially acceptable but fuck that who said that that was right like look at all the problems we have like <laughs> we yeah, got to do something different so let's start talking about shit you know sure definitely <laughs> so any more stories before i wrap us up, up? uh not off the top of my head i don't got anything unless you got okay <laughs> all right so Again, Mark Greatness Hunter, I highly recommend. I'm going to put all of your bio information, your contact information, uh, social media, everybody that's listening, go like, follow, love this amazing man and what he's bringing to the world. <laughs> and for anybody that's like, I, I need to hear more. Can I work with this greatness person? And, you know, how can I get in touch with him. Do you have any, any way for people to reach out if they want you to speak, 
guys, he's a speaker, he's an author, he's available to, to, to talk to your teams, to you one-on-one, to large groups. He's going places and, you know, he's open to opportunities. Is there a specific way for them to get in touch with you? That would be best. So as I mentioned, uh, my website's down right now, but I'm gonna get it back up. The uh, mm-hmm. uh, best way to reach out to me would be uh, through the social media handles, like you mentioned. I got a Facebook page um, and it's facebook.com slash the great one, T-H-E-G-R-8-0-N-E. Same thing for Instagram and Twitter. If you uh, look at my bio, there is actually a, a link that goes to my website for the contact us page. And uh, it shows you how you can reach out to me to be a speaker or to be on podcasts or anything. So just uh, reach out to me that way. Find me on social media. Awesome. I just want to say find me Mark Greatness Hunter. That comes up in the search. (laughs) So lots of ways to reach out to Mark, to get to know more, to find out how you can, you know, get in touch with him through that. And I just want to say, Mark, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for being, being with me and being willing to share who you are and some of the stories of the things that you've experienced. Um, It's an, it's an honor and privilege as always. And, um, (laughs) <laughs> I'm really glad that uh, that this happened, that we're, we're able to do this. I feel like your story and stories can really have an impact on the world. And so thank you for being here. <laughs> um, thank, you. thank you. Thank you for abs- calling me and asking me to be here again. <laughs> Absolutely. And awesome. Sounds great. Um, for those of you listening, uh, I'm going to wrap up. I just want to appreciate all of you who are listening to the Being Brave with Amy B podcast or watching it on YouTube. Go ahead and subscribe um, to the YouTube channel, to the podcast, and follow me on Facebook and everything. Um, if you know of someone that has an experience that is truly one of being brave, whether that's, uh, you know, everyday bravery, whether that's leaps, large leaps of faith, everyone has a story that can bring so many gifts to others. So feel free to reach out for me, reach out to me with recommendations of people. Until next time, I see you, I believe in you, and I love you. And don't forget to say yes to you. Be brave and say yes to you. I almost (laughs) forgot (laughs) the be brave part. All right. See you guys next time.